Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about staying in your lane as a personal trainer. Not many people actually talk about the scope of practice as a PT, and there's probably an obvious reason for that, but we both think it's super important to know like what your lane actually is and what you can or can't do as a personal trainer, just for your own benefit. Like we see a lot of stuff on the internet, whether it's online coaches, some people don't even have a cert three and four and they're giving out advice. And I've definitely seen people, you know, lose their businesses and be sued for giving out like incorrect, harmful advice. And it's usually just because they don't even know that it's incorrect or harmful, right? So it's important to know what you can and can't do, especially uh, in the online coaching space as well. Yeah. And as you said, it actually can be quite harmful, which is a little bit alarming. So we're sort of here to give some advice on, hey, this is what you can do. This is what you should refer out with. Um, And just some advice on how to navigate the overpopulated industry that now is the fitness industry. Um, when you and I started or or years ago, um, there were really tight rules against who can practice and who can't, where now with emerging online coaches and and everyone seems to be an online coach, no one's there to really cross-check your paperwork, your certification. Like, you know, when I started, I had to hand in a folder with all of my certificates, Mm. all of my Fitness Australia points, um, which it's now called Oz Active. And I know a lot of gyms don't actually count those points anymore, which is interesting because those points meant you did extra study. Whereas Mm. now nothing gets checked. So if you put it in your bio, apparently you're a trainer. It's like, oh, okay, this is alarming. Yeah. I feel as though, Danny, like we both have a healthcare lens, like especially like working in hospitals and working with sick people and having to like cross my T's and dot my I's as a nurse and a midwife to make sure that my registration went through and I was abiding by the law and I was staying within my scope of practice. It is so drilled into you, into the healthcare system because everyone has a scope of practice and it can be the difference between life or death. And like, even in hospitals, you would go to like study days where it would be like coroner's courts. And they would talk about people Mm. that stepped outside of their scope of practice and the repercussions of that, which are obviously profound in healthcare. And then in the fitness industry, none of that exists. Like there is no like real, there's repercussions for sure, but nothing's mandated, nothing's like checked, nothing's a prerequisite for really what we need to do, which is quite scary. Mm. Uh, And it's definitely not as tightly regulated that's the word I'm looking for it's not as regulated as the healthcare stream which is really interesting because like health and fitness you know used together but very very different yeah and I think you hit the nail on the head with you know why you and I take it quite seriously because we have been in healthcare we are registered with the governing board of Australia um you being a midwife me being an osteopath so we kind of obviously different careers but we see the more severe side of things Mm -hmm. um which it's eye-opening and then we know not to sort of stuff around with people's physical mental health um whereas now being a personal trainer it's glamorous it's sexy you don't see the posts about things going wrong and Mm -hmm. you know hopefully they it doesn't happen often but it still can happen Uh, so it's very important for for new coaches to take this seriously i know there's a lot of pressure out there on new trainers to try and do everything, you know, wear all the hats. You have to be good at this training, nutrition, mindset. You have to be everything for your client, but Mm. that's not true. Like the best thing you can do is just stick with what you're confident in, what you're legally allowed to do, and then refer out. I know a lot of people are scared of losing business at the start, you know, referring out means you're handing your client to someone else, but for the long term, get a team of professionals who can do all the parts that you can't do. And then you get really good at what you can do. And that's the way to do it long term. And you, you cover your ass. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely like uh, refer out or like if you're at that stage, you can refer in if you've got someone that you can work with as well to be able to refer inwards. And that can be like a long-term vision for a lot of people because you don't have to know how to do everything and you don't have to wear all of the hats long-term, but you have to sort of keep your business at the end of the day. I think the other thing which is really important is like 
when you're onboarding clients or when you're wanting to work with someone, like just disclaimers, like paperwork, contracts, like those sorts of things are really important. And I think not enough people actually do them uh, in regards to like getting people to understand informed consent, what they're actually agreeing to, because like, not that really a whole lot's going to hold you up anyways, but something is better than nothing. And, you know, you can find a lot of uh, information and a lot of advice on the internet of how to actually do this. And it is about making sure that people are informed um, about not only like what they're signing up for, but what you can and what you can't do. So that's what we're here to talk to uh, you guys about today. We're going to mostly cover like nutrition and training, because obviously that's the most important parts uh, when it comes to personal training. So we might start with nutrition. Yeah, for sure. And that's the one that we do see a lot um, online as well, because everyone wants to know how to eat correctly and for their goals and so on and so forth. But actually, you can't give out an individualized meal plan as a trainer with a cert four. Now, we do see this a lot still. We see a lot of advice around nutrition and this is what I eat in a day so you should eat it type thing Um, even though we're all getting you know more aware that that, that that's not the way to go but you can't actually offer an individualized meal plan guys Mm, and it's funny because it's like everyone does meal plans I feel like I feel like consumers are getting smarter though in in knowing that meal plans are not really the most sustainable ideal way to go anyways. I mean, like I could literally replicate off the top of my head, everyone's meal plan. It's going to be like protein oats in the morning with blueberries. (laughs) And it's going to be like chicken and broccoli and sweet potato for lunch, right? Like it's all the same stuff. It's sort of like demoralizing when you think about it. Um, But do you have a sense of that too, Danny? Like, do you feel like people are just moving away from that? Like I don't get, I do still sometimes get asked for meal plans like obviously I do nutrition but uh like I'm very quick to just like say I don't do that this is what I do most people are actually quite fine with that yeah you're right because most people are are wanting to learn the tools now because obviously they've been listening to our stuff and it's really big in the industry from leaders um about here's the tools you do it yourself Mm. type thing but then to step outside of our bubble again in the world out there someone's just going to google meal plan and they still pop up so it's, it's kind of still floating around out there, but not so much in our group of people and consumers that are, are getting a little bit more educated, which is nice to see. Yeah, for sure. Good point. I think uh, it's like, like I said, a really easy conversation because I'm like, look, we don't do that. We do flexible dieting. This is why. Mm. Um, and it's, we generally believe that it's the better way, like meal plans are by definition, like unsustainable. You can never follow one thing forever. It's also in my just like, opinion it's it's not great for like um like diversity with um gut bacteria you're sticking to the same sweet potato like you're sticking to the same foods it's not good for social life it's not good for enjoyment it's not good for flexibility you absolutely learn nothing along the way because you just eat what you're told rather than actually having a problem solve and think for yourself uh but not only that right you actually can't do it anyway so if you are and i would use this as like a red flag right like if i was signing up as a coach Uh, for a coach right you're putting that person in a position of authority so you're sort of like yeah whatever how do you do nutrition you're not going to come in and go well I want this and I want that usually usually people go to a coach because they 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 respect that person's knowledge so if like just an online coach or just a cert three and four or god forbid nothing at all just turns around and gives you a meal plan I'd be like oh hang on like why are we doing it like this? And I would be asking and questioning and look, maybe they have qualifications. Maybe that's the way they do it. Maybe they are, have done sort of like a sports nutrition certification that they can do it, whatever it might be. Um, But it's always about just getting curious about the way in which people do things. I love that. So as you said, make sure you sort of without being, you know, egotistical about it, say you sort of ask, hey, what qualifications do you have in nutrition type thing? Because at the end of the day, yes, a Cert 4 does not legally allow you, not only legally allow you, but it doesn't even give you enough knowledge to be able to do it well. So Mm. you want to look for a coach that has done another nutrition course out there because I still remember learning about the food pyramid, but mine was literally like, 10 years ago and that is the most backwards thing in the whole world so ask what their qualifications are without sounding like you know you can do it in a way I don't know people get a bit staunch around that conversation too or what's your qualifications but it's actually go about it in a in a polite way and say hey Dim, like what um learning have you done around this area I'd love yeah. to learn from you 
Yeah, especially if it's someone that you have like outsourced from like a company or a gym, you actually don't know their background, you know nothing about them, you're not sure. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being being curious about their methods and why they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really good point. The other one that uh, I think comes up so much on the internet is um, micronutrients. So we talk about macronutrients being like your proteins, carbs, and fats, obviously the staples that make up our diet. But then when we eat a lot of whole foods or any meats or anything like that, they're made up of lots of micronutrients, which is going to be like your calcium, iron, magnesium, like vitamins, all those things. And because it's like health is such like a, I don't know, like, or maybe because we're in the health and wellness sort of fitness industry, it seems like it's so big at the moment, right? But everyone's talking about micronutrients. And I have two views on this, right? Like one, we should never, as um, Cert 3 and 4 personal trainers, online coaches, we should never be uh, consulting, prescribing, or uh, like, I guess, persuading people to adopt certain micronutrients, vitamins, or supplements. And we'll talk about which ones are appropriate a little bit later on uh, from a place of our opinion. And I share this because we can absolutely share our opinion. Like, don't get me wrong. I definitely get on and talk about micronutrients and the importance of that because, of course, it's important. But I don't know what you need. I know what I need. Right. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, well, it's probably your micros and we'll look at your blood panel and we'll do this. And I'm like, absolutely not. Right. Like, (laughs) absolutely not. But you do see it, especially with coaches that have been around for a while. And obviously they've gone into that as like a passion uh, for them. And usually they resent healthcare and they go down sort of that avenue as well. Uh, and again, like each of their own, I love that people are having these like high level conversations on the internet, but it shouldn't be from a place of like really like informing other people they must be taking vitamin A or whatever it might be. Because for example, that's, that's horrible advice to someone that's pregnant, like horrible yes. advice. So it's about realizing that you're not just speaking to your tiny niche when you have an audience and that goes for the, you know, the creators out there that might be doing that. Um, But then from the consumer as well, like they don't know what your micronutrient needs are. No, no. And you do to read someone's blood work and then prescribe micronutrients, you need again, external study and, Mm. you know, assert for, I definitely would not be qualified. I still wouldn't be qualified to do that because I haven't put time and energy into it and you know happy to admit it but you do see again meal plans being prescribed but then on the end have these vitamins these supplements and a big list of very expensive supplements mind you Mm. um and it's a little bit alarming I feel like I'm going to say that about all these points it's all alarming guys ring the alarms because I don't know we need to make a change here but you do see it and all the supplements that, you know, we've been prescribed personally are from practitioners, you know, whether it be naturopaths or doctor of Chinese medicine, and you actually can't get them in stores because Mm. they can be dangerous if they're not consumed in the right amount, or they can make you ill. Or as you said, with pregnancy and vitamin A, there Mm. are contraindications, not to mention if you've been prescribed um, medicine from your GP, they can contraindicate some natural medicines as well because, mm. you know, they, they balance each other out or they can have the same dose and then you're having double the dose. So, again, we should not be playing around with um, supplements and micronutrients because you might think, oh, you know, it's safe. We just get it from the chemist, whatever. No, you have to consider your client's history, what other medication they're on, the dosage, so many other things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And full disclosure, like every now and then I will read my own blood work, but like if if something's highlighting and I'm like, like you can, I can read ranges, but like there's certain times where like I've thought something was fine and then I've had something, someone else look at it and they've looked at ratios of things like, and just because it doesn't flag up, mm-hmm. right. doesn't necessarily mean that like, that's all good too. So that's why I think when you have that lens um, and you know, the more, you know, the more, you know, right. Like, and that's what creates that cautious part. I was thinking as well, like the other day I saw a quote and it was something along the lines of like the most intellectual people in the room feel like they've got the most work to do. And the, I guess the, the most unintelligent people think that they know the most. And I was like, it's so true because people that have like the smallest uh, like study or experience and man, I've been there like Mm. feeling naive, right? Like you don't know. And that's because like, if you looked at a pie graph, like what you know in a circle is like, you know, a small portion and it's like what you think you don't know and it's Mm -hmm. another small portion and the rest of it is like you don't know what you don't know, like everything else is there. So 
you know, confidence is usually associated with a little bit of like ignorance and naiveness at the start. Uh, and it's just something like when it comes to micronutrients that it should really just be left to your general practitioner, healthcare provider, naturopath, like whoever's sort of done those extra studies to be able to correlate causation with like outcome. Yeah. And I love that, you know, the pie graph description there, because it is, you know, when you're young, you feel like, you know, it all, you're invincible, you're not stressed about anything. And then the more you study, you're like, oh my goodness. And it just unlocks a whole world of what you don't know, which again, can be very, um, it can be overwhelming for people, but that's why we're sort of making this episode as well, because yes, we're encouraging alternative studies to, if you want to specialize in something, but don't feel like you have to do it all. Yeah? yeah. Because everything needs its own amount of time of study and it's physically impossible to be good at everything. And that is so fine. And as soon as you realize that, then you can just exhale and take, you know, a sign and take a time for yourself to realize, Hey, like, these are the things that I'm good at. I'm going to spend time studying here rather than just being a course junkie, which I used to be, go to all the courses, apply none. Mm-hmm. You get the dopamine that you're learning and learning and learning. And then it's like, well, I haven't actually applied anything. So mm-hmm. what am I doing? And you're still back at square one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, to go back on, on nutrition and what you can't do, you can't also encourage one specific diet oh, keto is the only way to go, you know, or, or the liver king fucking diet that's going around, you know, you must only eat raw animal organs. It's like, who is that guy? Honestly, oh. I can't believe the internet rewards that. It's just, well, the internet, I'm getting so frustrated, frustrated at what the internet is rewarding. And if you look a bit weird and doing a dance, like you get so many millions of views and it's like, why am I watching all of this? But yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you, if someone is prescribing a dieting method such as keto or you know mm. intermittent fasting, again, just ask. Hey, awesome! Like, do you mind explaining the benefits of this? And mm. if they say trust the process, this is why we're doing it. <laughs> all, all those lines, big red flag. Okay, you want to feel like you know why you're doing a specific dieting method. Mm, yeah, really well said. I think. Um, like it's funny, like everyone does just sort of recommend and say this is the best and it sort of gets a little bit culty when it comes to diets as well. Like everyone finds one thing that works and again, that's so fine. Like you are entitled to your own opinion. You can do whatever you want, right? But I think it's also like our responsibility as the consumer to be like, well, like I'm not going to just follow what's worked for them. Like we need to be smarter than that too. And like even for us, when it comes to nutrition, like I have a biased belief that a balanced approach is always going to be better. Like even a balanced approach to macros, do you know what I mean? Like we don't need one that's extremely high or extremely low or whatever. Like it's really just about energy balance. And I think people don't give enough credit to all the other areas in your life to be able to create body composition changes, like our training, which we harp on or stress management or sleep, like all of those things are far more significant than the ratio of carbs to fats, like far more significant, but people spend so long or so, or like years, I reckon everyone in their first few years of getting into nutrition tries all the diets without actually realizing, oh, like, you know, I just need to like eat enough or respect energy balance or all the other variables that we always talk about, but it's a great point. And I think, um, yeah, like, I want to see that go on. Like sometimes I feel a bit tired of having that conversation because I'm like, is it still there? But it is, isn't it? Like people still believe in diets. Yeah. And again, it's those who come out of the the inner circle of our world. That's mm. what I'm noticing. It's the ones who still Google meal plans. It's the ones who, who hear from their neighbor's friend, you know, this diet worked for me. And they're just they, they just don't know. It's like yeah. someone asking us about an area that we don't know about, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you just go with what you've heard from the masses. So yeah. mass media and mass marketing, they're still sending the wrong messages, you know, celebrity influence, getting mixed in headlines in newspapers and magazines. So it's what mm-hmm. those groups of people are still consuming. So you can't blame them for not knowing, even though it's frustrating for all of us. It's like you, you think it's a broken record type thing, but yeah. we have to remember that's where we started as well until we educated ourselves, but not everyone does that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's so true because I've been having like this internal conflict with like even creating content because I'm like, guys, I've said this, you know, like I feel like I've said this, 
right? But then I'm like, it's like, oh, well, I need to like, you know, check in and be like, I'm forever going to be saying these things. Like it's not common knowledge. And that's important for like trainers. You know, we sometimes we can get in our bubble of like, everyone knows this, it's common sense. Like everyone knows about macros. So I'll talk about micros. Like we always think we've got to do that, that next up rather than like, think about what 95% of the world struggles with. Like it's compliancy. Like it's going for a walk. Like it's just getting to the gym four days a week, honestly. So it's about realizing that a lot of these tiny little things that are actually making people step out of their scope of practice and step out of their lane and have to like augment some like superficial confidence to be able to talk about these topics. It's unnecessary. It's not helpful for people at the end of the day. We need to focus on the things that are going to have the, the most profound effect. You're right. It's definitely internal pressures um, that are drawing people out of their scope yeah. to try and one up. Oh, so-and-so's talking about this fancy mm. concept. I have to one up them or, you know, all yeah. this comparison and competing. And it's like, well, no, it's the basics that work the best. The basics aren't always sexy. And that's mm. the problem. The basics aren't sexy, whether it be nutrition, whether it be training, whether it be small habits. It's not sexy, but that's mm. what it works. Like that's what works. So we're caught up in a world of validation and likes and views and, and feeling like, yeah, we're competing with other people and it's creating a bit of a mess. And I'm guilty of this too. Like we've all been there and that's fine, but it's like, okay, maybe I'll just fuel that a tiny bit, but then focus on what actually works because yeah. you're getting new followers, you're getting new clients. At the end of the day, a lot of people watch your information that you put out there but they're not actually customers either so don't get confused with posts that are going viral with 10 million views like they might just have put out an entertaining post that got people's attention but it's drawing away from what they're actually doing and their career and their clients that they do have Um, and I always stress the importance of um, not ignoring the clients that you do have and Mm. getting lost in trying to get more clients and more views and more content like never Um, put your business as number two that's always number one and then use the time for content later yeah absolutely very well said I think uh, what you mentioned earlier about feeling pressure like it's it is very real and I think the the thing that a lot of people probably need to try and do is do like a you know a u-turn and go how can I build my confidence in what I'm doing and my self-esteem in this area rather than feeling like I've got to rise up and be better like what you're doing with the basics and what you're doing by encouraging like a balanced macro split and like progressive overload and just like solid training advice like what you're doing is like what you said unsexy but it's the most helpful and I think achieving results are sexy so you just need to get your clients to be patient and compliant for a period of time which god that's hard (laughs) like in itself let alone getting them to worry about everything else and I've seen this advice go like horribly actually with a few of my clients where they've gone and sought out like maybe naturopaths or functional practitioners or whatever it might be in regards to micronutrients and things like that and it's done more damage than good like it's got in their head and it's sort of like oh I need to do this I can't eat this I can't eat that like and it's gotten in their head like too much caffeine too much gluten or whatever and I'm like look the stress of you thinking you have to eat organic and that you have to cut out everything and that you have to like do all this stuff is far worse and like ironically a lot of the time when I just hand over that permission like eat whatever you want like a lot of their symptoms that they were experiencing go away like whether it's digestive issues or whatever it is and I'm like look the stress stress impacts our bodies in uncontrollable like unpredictable ways so we have to be careful of who we're asking advice from because too many chefs in the kitchen spoil the broth and we need to be mindful of that with our own health like we need to have a few people in our corner not everyone because even when you look at like health and fitness a lot of different industries or not industries but a lot of different like methods and uh, practitioners like contraindicate each other as well so you need to go with the practices that align with you that is so true and you know we've had um, some amazing people on our shows which gave so many key points but then 
I've dropped the ball on some of them, to be honest, just for that reason. It's like, okay, so I've cut out plastics. I've done all that, all the easy ones for me, but then some of the skin stuff and then this and that, I I definitely found myself in that permission, in that position being Mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, it'll just be easy to live on the top of the mountain and sing Kumbaya and just be a hippie. It's like, it's impossible in this modern world for everyone. So I love that you said, seek the advice. Um, not from too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, pick the parts that align with you um, and then, yeah, make those small changes or don't. If it's gotten to the point where it's stressing you out, Mm. don't do it. Like even people who have come to me sometimes and they're like, oh, you know, I want to get all my steps in, but I don't have enough time because it's, it's really stressing me out because I'm late for work. And I'm like, that defeats the whole point of a, a beautiful morning walk. If you're there the whole time, just stressed, like it lit, just don't do the walk. It, it makes no sense. Or it's like meditating. And then the act of meditating gives you anxiety. Yeah. Don't force it. Like don't do it. Yeah. Then this is very much the art of coaching, right? This is what makes a good coach. This is not written on a scope of practice document. This is like, what's the advice? Because sometimes when I chat with clients, man, I have all the things in my head coming up, go do this, do that. We could fix this. We could, you know, but I know as a coach, it's not helpful just to tell people what to do. They need to go through the experiences themselves. And just like I've gone through all of these experiences of trying like every fad diet under the sun and then believing in a lot of those things, like it's not helpful with the position that I'm in now um, where I have gone through it and found things that actually work and come back to, oh, that balanced approach, like less is more, just low hanging fruit. And similar to you, Danny, like, trying a lot of the things sometimes advice can be more harmful than beneficial and we always have to recommend uh, recognize that people have their own biases and we are our own experiment like we need to go oh that's interesting have I noticed that in myself you know yes or no and if it's a yes like maybe there's going to be some things that you've heard from some people that you want to you know work on but not for everything. Like I eat gluten. I don't know why everyone wants to cut it out. Like only if you're gluten intolerant, right? And we had, um, who was it, Tara on the podcast a while ago, who's obviously highly qualified in that area, who like really elaborated on just gluten as a whole. Mm. Um, but then you're going to have other practitioners. And I know like Gabby spoke on the podcast about, you know, disencouraging gluten as well and mm. being more inflammatory. So neither is right or wrong. They're just different right and it's really important to recognize that but then as the consumer take that advice and you go away and you decide what's right for you yeah and that's so important to reiterate thank you for that um yeah moving on a massive one oh and it just yeah okay (laughs) so (laughs) coaching someone with an active eating disorder now we're not here to say that eating disorders aren't common because they are very common they come in all sizes shapes and forms and that's okay But please, if you don't have a good relationship with food or if you know that something's not 100%, don't go to someone that's not qualified. Mm -hmm. Getting a meal plan, getting macros, getting a training program, unfortunately, will not help because we know that it's much deeper than that. And yeah, I'm I'm not even one to comment on it in in such an in-depth way. But from personal experience of having calls with clients, you know, not everyone's going to say, I have an eating disorder. It's fine. You know, some people don't even know or they've just fallen into that pattern and behaviors. But as someone taking on new clients, you should be able to know the general signs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there obviously there's sometimes there's not. Um, so I've been on the phone with people before and, you know, it's obvious. They haven't said it out loud, but you just ask enough questions, allow the person to talk in that interview process that you do anyway. And then you have to get to the point where you sort of say, hey, I don't think my service is right for you right now. I'd rather you take that money and then it can help you with X, Y, Z, you know, psychologist or or working with a specialist. I've had that conversation before. Obviously, my message didn't land with that person because then I I logged on to Instagram and saw them sign up for someone doing an eight-week prep for a competition. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the coach's responsibility as much as the person, but obviously to be in that state, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, But I think it is important for coaches to not take people on with this because we're not qualified to help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a eating disorder is not 
had to has nothing to do with eating like it, it that's the way in which they I guess like fuel it but it, it's more of a mental health concern and that's why it's just you know it's like going to the hairdresser when you need a dentist right it's completely different mm. they they need to go elsewhere right and like you said um when I actually first launched coaching in my application I had something along the lines have you ever experienced an eating disorder or blah 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 uh, and I said to myself I'm not working for anyone that's had an eating disorder it's out of my scope blah 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 it's not you know, not within anything. And then I realized that at least 50% of the people applying for coaching had in the past had an eating disorder. So I quickly recognized that was not a good question. Like it needed to be a bit more like, you know, are you still, is it active? Mm. Like, are you experiencing it? Tell me about that. Like it needed to be a bit more in depth. So I changed that um, because I just like, you know, naive me, I was just like, oh, I can't work with them. So I wouldn't pursue it any further. Whereas now I've changed the way in which I do applications and the onboarding processes and this is even good for I guess coaches to hear because I think it's yeah. important um you can work with people that have had eating disorders it's just about whether it's active and yep. what their current behaviors look like because I've definitely the same as you had conversations where I've had to um turn people down and say look I don't think it's a time to focus on body composition at the moment I think you need to put your money elsewhere I would rather you do this come back you know when you when you've done that or the other conversation that I, I would have is um, like if it was not not active, but recent, like within the last, you know, few years or so, um, I would say like, are you working with a psychologist, you know, and make sure that they've got that support there so that they know what that space is for and they know what my space is for, because it's really important that, you know, things can flare up. And if that does happen, one, you want your client to feel safe enough to tell you to be like, hey, I'm, I know we started working on this, but I've had these thoughts again. You know, if it's in the last three, to five years that they've experienced any sort of issues you definitely want to be able to create that safety but you want to know like quick that you have someone there that they're already working with that they have access to that can help them and understand because sometimes I I feel I feel not bad but I don't want to take things away from people just because they may either be experiencing any disorder or have mm. um, experienced one because I think that stigmatizes a little bit too much like it's yeah. not like you can't sometimes strength training and going to the gym is is therapy for them they need to feel strong and be able to do it so mm. we just need to look after our own um, like you know our own selves mentally physically financially like in every aspect and just make sure that where they've got the support we've got the support everyone's on the same page and you've all got the client's best interest at heart yeah perfect and the good thing about healthcare in Australia if someone does have an active eating disorder you can get a mental health care plan and you can actually get up to 20 free sessions in the year which they increased it some sometimes it's five but then I've heard about cases where you actually get free um 20 free sessions with the psychologist yeah, which, wow, that's awesome yeah so go to your gp if you're unsure and yeah. ask for a healthcare plan um so important to know guys and then as sherelle said as you said um if you're working with someone then maybe you can work with a coach as long as that coach is able to talk with your professional mm-hmm. and then so maybe you can just prescribe training for example and they cover the nutrition part of it you still can definitely work in with someone but i think communicating it with your client and then um their professional in that area is is number one very important and then you yeah. build from that yeah absolutely and the last one that we've got here is prescribed diets to treat symptoms um, or medical conditions and that's a no-brainer right like we hear all the time about people even adopting like a FODMAP diet for digestive issues like that's all well and good but you should really have guidance when you do something like that or at least know what the hell you're doing um, so it's really important not to specify specific diets that people should follow to be able to treat any health conditions that are going on because you just don't know right like Mm. usually they would do a whole host of tests not just ask how the client's feeling or what symptoms they're experiencing they'll do a whole host of tests to be able to determine whether that thing's actually happening to what degree how severe it is is there anything else that's impacting it and yeah it's just not something that we should really just be looking at diet alone to treat yeah, for sure. So any heart conditions, diabetes, um, yeah, any sort of um, illness at the moment, again, you do need someone who is talking to a professional and then they can give the guidelines there. But And it's just less work. I mean, it is a lot of work taking on a, a special population. A, again, yeah. as a cert for, like, don't take on the responsibility. No. I know we're trying to save the world and, and be awesome and help people, but 
leave it to them because there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of checking in. There's a lot of guesswork and you'll be researching like, what am I doing? Just save yourself all of that and, and refer out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like sometimes I'll get questions about like certain things that if whether I help with certain hormonal things or whether this will help with that or whatever. And my blanket answer is always like, we don't specialize in fixing this problem. Like it's not what we do, but a lot of the things that we work on with nutrition and training and everything else is going to enhance those things, right? Like if your problem stress or if your problem even is like hormonal fluctuations or acne or whatever it is, absolutely addressing nutrition training and lifestyle behaviors is of course going to help with that but it's just our role to say like it may help with that because we don't actually know if it's going to treat it or fix it like we we we've all experienced uh things like getting into health and fitness and taking it more seriously where absolutely we've become more healthier fitter individuals and maybe certain things that we've experienced in the past we don't experience now people have lost weight become more healthy people have reduced their risk of diabetes done those certain things right but we don't necessarily link correlation with causation and say yep this will do that yeah amazing um so moving on to what you can do so we we really elaborate on what you can't do because obviously it's more important and then we do still see it out there in the industry what you can do you can give macronutrient targets now i don't know why you sort of can do that and not a meal plan i feel like macros has only just become a thing recently um again it is like more broad so you can give those targets but what we said you can't actually give like meals or Mm. specific foods you can teach them hey try and have more carbs before and after your workout protein you can give guidelines so guidelines of the macros guidelines of the food help them learn skills how to cook meal ideas but nothing that's super 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 specific yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like giving telling someone to drink two liters of water, right? Like it's it's a recommendation of like a target they can hit throughout the day. Most people can find this information on the internet by looking at a calculator anyways. <laughs> and I have my own biased view of like, it's not helpful either. That's really mm-hmm. not your role as a coach just to hand over macros. Um, it's yeah. about how can you actually turn that into a lifestyle? How can you turn those numbers into their own meal plan in their brain so that it can problem solve themselves throughout the day? So like macros are not secret sauce. It's not rocket science. It's just a calculator on the internet and we make our best educated guess. And then we make people have behavioral changes, right? That's the hard part that no technology can actually do or a meal plan. So you can give macros. um, You can offer clients recipes or demonstrate um, food prep skills, which I think I see a lot of people do like where they might, they might have a flexible dieting approach, but then they might have like a database of of recipe ideas and meal plan stuff. Um, Sorry, not meal plan stuff, but meal recommendations Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic yeah uh, because to us like I can say protein 30 fat 10 carb 60 and I think of a meal in my head right but that takes years to be able to do that and some people just see numbers at the start yeah yeah so it's very much a gateway to learn your own skills which definitely Mm -hmm. it taught me how to cook properly or um you know having macro targets that allowed me to learn how to cook and like what you said sort of eyeball your numbers um but in a way that suits you and your individual situation again which is so important there um so in terms of yeah basic education and resources and a bit of motivation and behavioral changes as you mentioned you can do that so keep doing that Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that you can do or the other couple of things is you can help your clients choose the right foods to support their goals, right? So if someone's primary goal is to lose um, a lot of fat and they're eating like a lot of processed foods, you can encourage more whole foods, right? Like general guidelines. And I think it's really important to know that like you can give recommendations because you have a skill set, right? Like this is your passion. You're studying health and fitness. You're living, breathing it, practicing, preaching it, I hope. So you're just going to be able to replicate like different food sources, different meal ideas, different recommendations, um, you know, understanding food volume and fiber and those sorts of things that is common knowledge to us, but is not necessarily to everyone else. Yeah, for sure. And you can provide education and share helpful resources. So mm-hmm. here's an evidence-based article that I found. You can send that to your clients. I remember when I used to have um, my clients signing on, I would print off little blogs and 
these things were different those days. I'd give them each a little folder and I'd give them a new article sort oh, of each cute. time. And, <laughs> and then I stopped because it just took too much effort. I ran out of printer ink. But, you know, <laughs> now just send them a link or, or yeah. Yeah, in terms of providing education, not as in you teaching them things that you don't know, like share resources from someone who's qualified to talk about it. Yep, really good. And the last one is you can let clients know about evidence-based nutritional supplements. So for example, the ones you see on the internet, caffeine, creatine, whey protein, magnesium yes. probably. Magnesium. Like every, <laughs> everyone talks about those because they are so highly researched um, that it's a given, right? Whereas with a lot of uh, like alternative medicine and herbs and those sorts of things, there's not really a large evidence body behind them to be able to back that up, right? And there's certain things that we know, like I, I can't remember like a citation off the, off the top of my head for creatine, but I know I could find about 5,000 in five seconds if I really wanted to. So you need to have that level of confidence to be able to say that this is beneficial. Um, and a lot of the research done in those evidence-based ones has been generalized to the population. So that's like the p-value, the big difference saying like, can this supplement benefit the majority, not the minority? And I think that's yeah. the difference between like those nutritional supplements uh, that I listed or alternative medicines. Yeah, I did an alternative medicine module in uni and you probably did with, with medications and things. And it is one of the hardest subjects. It was literally one of the hardest subjects because there are so many different ones. You have to learn all the contraindications. You have to learn what they do, what to not mix it with and everything. So it takes a high level of study to actually learn about other things. So oh, going yeah. back to what we said, just stick to the ones that have sort of been given to the masses and, and information, um, but anything else, just go to someone who's done that painful study. Oh yeah. I even know when I was working with, um, uh, when I was working with Abby, the Chinese uh, practitioner, Chinese medicine doctor, um, she was telling me like the study that she had to do. It's wild to be a doctor of Chinese medicine. Like they have to learn all of the Western medicine just so that they can know the correlation or the um, conflict with Chinese medicine. And then they have to learn all the herbs and all, all the actual medicine. And like, it's just like so much. And I'm like, yep. absolute credit. I would never in my entire world pretend to understand. Yeah. And I even learned and I've forgotten most of it. So it's yeah. like, it's oh, ongoing. Nah. In that, you need to be in it. You need to be in it. Um, sure. But that's pretty much nutrition in a nutshell. We hope it gives you a bit more of a clear understanding of what like you can do, what your scope is, what you can't do. Uh, and now we will touch on training. So this yeah. will be a lot more easier because I feel like um, nutrition's a bit like hit and miss, very emotionally tied, but with training, it's pretty clear cut of what you can and can't do. Yeah, so that was a big nutshell. That was like a 45-minute nutshell. Might have been a big walnut or a Brazil nut. Okay, <laughs> we'll go for a pistachio. Yeah, coconut. Oh my god, I couldn't think of that. We'll go for a pistachio nut with training. Yeah. Um <laughs> what you can do. So when you do get your cert three and four, um, in terms of career paths, gym reception. And that's what I I thought I was gonna end it there. I, I <laughs> did my literally, I'm like. I'll just be a receptionist. At a yeah, which, yeah, that didn't last long at all. I did zero reception. Um, gym reception and a group fitness trainer, you are qualified to be. And, of course, a personal trainer there. Um, and oh, this one, I cringe a little bit. So you can do basic postural assessment, which don't do it, guys. It's just such a waste of time because the amount of times I would, when I first started and I hadn't done any osteo study, standing there with your clipboard, someone's standing in their position in front of you and your circle that their shoulders are forward, their necks forward, and you know, their pelvis is tilted and everyone had the same damn posture. And it was just a bit of time buying so you looked like you knew what you were yeah, doing and then what, everyone's what you, like, piece of paper was bloody the same yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so you still can do it but but I probably wouldn't bother um and then exercise prescription for general goals mm. so we'll go into what you can't do later but but general goals hey I want to lose a bit of weight or I want to move a bit better um you can do that yeah absolutely and obviously like what we said with the fitness industry unlike healthcare. Um, or even health and wellness, there's not really like, like what is 
general goals. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we we actually get to decide that. So like <laughs> that's that's just where it has to come to like being self-aware of like what do I feel comfortable doing? Like obviously I prep clients. Like I don't think that's a general goal, but I think I'm well equipped to be able to do it because I've lived and breathed it for so long. And it's basically the same process, but enhanced a lot more um, <laughs> in terms of the, I guess, how extreme you have to go. So it's really up to you, like in terms of everyone has their niche of what the, the clientele that they like to work with based off their own studies, their own knowledge, their own expertise, their own experience um, lived and learned. And it's really just like with you, with the training side of things, like going with where your greatest strengths and interests are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what you also can do is provide individually tailored client assessments. So I would prefer if everyone, and this is what we teach in our courses, you learn how to just assess a squat or a hinge pattern. And I know you do that as well, um, rather than just the postural thing. You can have a look at how they're moving and make an educated decision based off that. Okay, we need to change this, or your push doesn't look that good. You can change technique and alter technique. That's why we're here. Mm. Um, and you can also write programs and, and instruct and demonstrate. So your programs for your clients to take home or do um, for themselves. Again, it all just sounds so damn broad though. It's yeah. like, all right, this is cool, yeah. but it's just a big umbrella. No yeah. wonder everyone's getting mixed up. Yeah. Nutrition is, again, is pretty sort of clear cut, but training's a bit more um, yeah. diverse. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but like even when we do like our, our screening tools with clients, like at, they tell you to do it like with passive movements and things like that. But we, I actually prefer to do it under a little bit of load, like obviously safety, but I just find like the, the passive screening did nothing for me because technique always breaks down under load and I'm by no means saying put a heavy bar on someone's back, but like, you know, dumbbell walking lunges like testing stability looking dynamically looking with a goblet heel elevated squat like looking at a dumbbell lateral raise how they do that rather than just can they put their arm above their head like being actually able to see how they move with load because let's be real most clients that come to us have been training so it's not like where we're telling them to do anything different so it's like show me what you've been doing and that to me gives me the greatest insight of like where they're at um, because yeah a lot of the like you said the postural or the passive screening tool assessments I just found it a waste of time and annoying yeah if their goal is to come to you for a training program fantastic get them moving like what you said challenge their stability under a little bit of load this is where we're getting a bit blurred if someone comes to you with an injury mm. or some sort of dysfunction passive movements are still great um, and some element of postural assessment but that is more for a healthcare practitioner yeah. who's looking for an injury and how to treat it, how to diagnose and treat. It's not in a scope of a trainer who is um, going to give someone a training program, mm. but it just, it depends. If someone comes to you and says, I get a sore back when I squat, doesn't mean you go, Oh my God, I refer out. No, yeah. Yeah. You, you have a look. Hey, can I have a look at your squat? Let's have a look yeah. here. We'll have a look at your hips. What's going on. So it can work, but if someone comes in limping, arched over they can't even stand up straight they're in real distress that's when you can refer out oh, so yeah. people are injured people are sore like it happens but mm. it's up to you to make the decision of how bad actually are they what's the cause try and work out if you can um but if you can't that's when you refer out so yeah passive it, it, it just depends on the person it yeah depends. for sure I'm gonna throw that out there again and I think for most people probably listening to this like we're not working with acute injury you know like if someone's acutely injured like come on <laughs> like refer it's, out refer <laughs> out like it's a, it's it's too much time for you honestly like it's not <laughs> worth your time like you they may as well come back to you when they're well so you can do your job like it's, it's I always think about that I'm like this is not beneficial for anyone like no. No, and I love working. So I still train people who aren't injured, but I get a lot of coaches, for example, um, who's getting someone on stage, but then all of a sudden they've developed hip pain yeah. or back pain. I take them on and then work in within their comp prep coach. And it's just so good. Yeah. They're, the client's relieved. The coach is relieved. I'm relieved. Like, because I don't have to do their comp prep stuff. They don't have to do the injury stuff. And we just work in well. And yeah. it's just so good so yeah um I don't know where I'm going with that but it's yeah like I love working in with teams and it's so good that you've recognized hey 
Like it's a waste of time for a coach to try and learn a whole uni degree of physio, osteo and all of that. Like there's a reason why we have our careers and and everyone else has theirs to specialize Mm. in that area and work within people. Like it's so good. I mean, I suppose you have to go about it in a way of, um, again, putting ego aside and realizing, hey, like I don't know this. I'm going to ask someone for help, which is not easy for everyone to do because, you see it so much on social media, people wanting to wear all the hats. And it just sort of grinds my gears a little bit when you get someone with a cert for um, shutting down someone who has dedicated their whole life to learn about injuries and, mm. and learn about exercise prescription for that because it's very dangerous advice um, to people with a, like big followings who who just aren't qualified to talk about it, it's still out there. And I think the only reason, the only way it will change is if the consumer becomes a little bit smarter or unfortunately, if they take the advice and end up hurting themselves and going, shit, maybe that wasn't good advice. Like I just don't want to see it continue to get to that point, but everyone thinks all of a sudden that they're a medical practitioner and it's not good. Your followers doesn't equal years of study. Yeah, well said. Um, well Just said. That's that's the ball drop there. Yeah, and like I said earlier, that was something that like in business I identified really quickly. Um, and we brought someone into our team to be able to manage any injuries that come along because it's not our role. Like, and we can do what we're good at, but we can also have someone work in with us yeah. um, inside our team so that we don't have to disrupt the coaching flow too much. But we can have someone else take over the training for a period of time. You know, six weeks or whatever it is until they're back to where their capacity is because injury is something that look it happens it can happen and I think it's something like from a business perspective that's really important for people to think about whether it's like understanding who they can collaborate with um, externally or who they can create internally uh, to be able to make that system really smooth because the reality is a lot of people have like had injuries gonna have injuries get injured play sport have niggles like need things managed along the way that's just the reality so I think we need to not only limit ourselves to being able to work with people that are well and healthy and fit right because that's not the majority yeah but we need to diversify whether it's our own skill set or our business per se um, to be able to make sure we can handle that yeah, beautiful. And that takes us into to what you can't do, which we just mentioned, diagnose and treat mm-hmm. acute and severe injuries. So as you said, have a team member do it or refer out if you haven't grown a team. Um, but then also hands-on um, therapy you can't actually do. You still see some trainers, you know, stretching their client at the end, which we know that that's not ideal now, but I used to do that. If I had like, when I, when I was first starting, if I had like 10 minutes left, I was like, mm, I've sort of run out of ideas. I'll just do a hamstring stretch. Which yeah. I don't encourage that now. I was not educated back then. Um, that's okay. If you're doing some general mobilization and all that, yes, but don't go in with the intent to be hands-on um, and try and treat something that way. And, you know, we share so many ways where people can self-mobilize, you know, work on their own stuff without being touched. Um, I think that's sort of the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. The other one that which comes up a lot is uh, postnatal stuff or pregnancy in general. Like, Obviously, if someone's got a complicated pregnancy or, you know, towards the end of their pregnancy, like their training is going to have to look a little bit different. You're probably fine in early um, pregnancy, but, you know, once someone becomes heavily pregnant or in those later trimesters and most definitely postnatal, um, things need to be done a little differently. I think it's the first six weeks after six weeks, they get like their, their medical clearance from their GP. And once that's done, it's all fine. You can resume as normal because they'll be cleared by like a woman health physio etc at that appointment as well but anything pre that um definitely not something I would be dabbling in unless you had the expertise yeah and you definitely have the expertise and you you have your lens on it and before we recorded sort of mentioned um pregnant women have sort of treated like everyone walks on eggshells around it Mm. um (laughs) I'd imagine you know but then it also comes from the client if it's someone's first child generally people are a little bit more on edge and a bit more cautious um, yep. but then for someone who's just got their serve for you don't really know anything about training pregnant women um, so they're probably over cautious as well so to save all of that awkwardness 
refer to a specialist or a physio or someone like yourself who who does have experience not even though I'm not sure if you take pregnant women on at the moment but you sort of know what to do with that person type thing mm. um so yeah you can either look at it both ways if you have experience in it you realize hey not everyone is super sensitive and needs careful um attention but for someone new getting a pregnant client's like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing type thing then just you know refer out yeah I think it comes with confidence too right like you see this even a lot with male coaches like they don't know how to talk to their clients about periods yeah. or like whatever it is because they just don't have the confidence in that area I think the same happens with pregnancy because maybe people haven't had kids obviously or they haven't had any experience working with pregnant women or you know like the pains they think it's they think that they're unwell they think they're sick they think that they're injured by being pregnant and I, I can't help but laugh because yeah. I'm like <laughs> they're fine like labor is like probably the most endurance based activity you you've got to go through like they're pretty strong yeah. um but yeah I do respect like you need to be confident in what you're doing like if you've never gone through a comp prep yourself I don't know how people prep people because how can you be confident like how can you mm. really understand and I'm not saying you need to go through a, a labor like to be able to understand <laughs> but you need to be like confident with working with that clientele and that's that requires like for everything like you just need to have a level of confidence because you've got the authority in it yeah for sure show that confidence Mm. um and we kind of touched on this in the nutrition section so just um high-risk clients heart disease diabetes injuries other illnesses um you can't essentially prescribe exercises for that um and i probably wouldn't knowing back on when i first I, i always reflect on but that's what we're here to talk about when i got my cert for Um, My programming wasn't amazing. I did the general push, pull, whatever ratios, hinge, squat, lunge. Um, And then you would just throw on a whole bunch of cardio just to really tire them out. So, and that's what they would expect as well. Um, But imagine doing that with someone with a heart condition, you can't have a free for all of ideas. Like it's very limited in what you can actually prescribe. So you can get someone doing bike sprints and all of that, but for someone with a heart condition or heavy weight training with someone with diabetes, it gets their blood pressure up. It's just not ideal. There are so many factors that we have to learn for each individual uh, condition that they might come to you with. So yeah, when it comes to a high risk client, um, just again, refer out. I feel like I'm going to, I'm repeating myself, but for good reason. So just to drill it into everyone's head, um, yeah. refer out if you need. Yeah. Again, anything you're unsure about, like if you feel like you don't have the expertise, experience or access to any of those things, like I've definitely had situations where I haven't been sure about something, but I've, yeah. I've had the connections and resources and people that I can ask about because I think you're a problem solver as a coach and a personal trainer. So we by no means want to discourage anyone and say, you must just stay exactly in your lane and don't even try and drive a bit faster. <laughs> like you can, of course, like, you know, ask for help, learn more, do extra studies, like get curious, experience for yourself. Like all that stuff's super important to being a like diversible coach at the end of the day. Cause you don't want to just be able to work with one specific person, right? Cause you do limit yourself and things happen. People get pregnant. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. people get injured, like these things happen. You don't want to have to go, oh, like no longer because that's you won't have a business. Do you know what I mean? So you need to be able to work with like, you know, a, a group of people at least, not just one specific person, um, but then just know like, you know, what you need to do to be able to refer out or move on. Yeah, yeah, that's important. You're right, actually. I'm glad you sort of went over that again. So it's more just if I say like refer out if you're not confident, if you don't have the resources, if it keeps you up at night worrying about this client, if it makes you a bit nervous and uncomfortable and you don't have a team member you can ask for help, then fine. But exhaust all those options first and and try and find someone, try and get some help um, Mm. so you can work with that. Because, yeah, you you work with a client and they get pregnant. You don't always want to handball them over. Just allow them to to work with someone while you're still working with them Mm. type thing but again if it stresses you out just yeah don't Mm. worry about it because I've been in that position like I'd have a client come to me who did have a condition when I was just set for or or did fall pregnant and it did stress me out I was a bit of a stress head when I was younger so it's like I put myself through so much unnecessary worry for no reason I didn't really know what was out there to help me Um, and it's just not a nice feeling so I don't want people to still be going through that 
in this day and age where we have so many resources. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Um, when I was uh, like, I'll share a story if you don't mind, but I was, yeah. I was coaching um, a girl and putting her through a dieting phase and like I had her on calories and she should have been losing at a rate that I wanted. And it wasn't like things weren't adding up for me. I'm like, something's going on here. And I know she's being compliant. Like I know she's doing all the stuff, but she's just not losing on these numbers, you know, and she should be. Mm -hmm. And I could cut calories, but it just didn't feel right. Like I was like, something's going on here. So I said to her, like, I was like, I just want you to go get some bloods done. I want you to go and see GP. I just want to make sure that you cover your bases. Anyways, it ended up coming back that like her TSH, her T3, her T4, like all her thyroid stuff was completely out of whack and she had Mm -hmm. hypothyroidism. Um, and from that, like she ended up needing to go see an endocrinologist, like big blood workup, like obviously bumped her calories back up, like straight away, got her out of that. But it was just like a part of me that was like, something's not right. And yeah, I could put you on 1200 calories and we could really grind. Right. Which is what most people do. But yeah, I was like, look, your health's more important. I just want to make sure. And this builds off the episode that we did a few weeks ago where people like bloods aren't important. But <laughs> how many times do you hear? How many times do you hear like, you know, there's a large majority of women that are like, I'm eating a thousand calories, twelve hundred calories, nothing's happening, and people just yeah. are not compliant not compliant and like I had a really good relationship with this client where I was like you know like you can tell me if things are being hard and you know because like we naturally underestimate like a lot of calories when we're in dieting phases when things are getting hard but yeah obviously had that really good relationship referred out so glad I did um because then she could go through that big workup and you know and, and get her health back on track and she didn't need to be medicated or anything in the end like they did say to her like if it doesn't sort of reverse itself um Um, but lifestyle factors like pushing calories back up reducing training like all of those things that like naturally brought her thyroid um, back to normal and yeah Mm. I just think like again it's just the the cautious part of me that wants everyone else to to know that yeah like things have because that's like thyroid's serious it's like your heart regulates everything else in your body so it's just important to know those sorts of stories I love that. And thank you for sharing that because it's got so many good points in there, um, particularly around coach and client relationship. If we have a service that is a little bit more generalized and not as personal as what you and I offer, then things like that will get missed. Mm. So it's naive of us to just continue to cut someone's calories and, you know, make them train harder and not actually ask them, hey, how are you going? Or build that relationship with them to be able to identify behavior changes. Um, sometimes having more clients isn't always the best because then things like that can get missed. Whereas you had a really good relationship with this client, you've, you've you learned their behaviors, they had the trust in you. Um, I'm sure if, if you put them on a low calories, they would have done it. But then you had to take initiative to then take that next step because a lot of people put all of their trust in their coach um, and don't recognize symptoms within themselves because mm. how how are they to know what hypothyroidism feels like, you know, or how are they to know what something internally would feel like, particularly if they're so used to just being told what to do. Um, I'm going on a few different tangents here, but it's very important that if we do want to deviate from our lane, then make sure your service is more personal so you don't miss the factors like that. If you want to completely stay in your lane, that's fine. And you might have a more generalized service, but then know that you will not be able to pick up as many of those signs and you won't be able to address the following steps alone. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. Like, obviously I find it funny when people are like, yeah, like I've worked with like thousands and thousands of women. It's like, why are you proud of that? Like, like (laughs) where'd they go? Why are you not with them anymore? Yeah, exactly. That's my sort of thought too. Um, So it really just depends on the type of coach that you want to be and the type of service that you want to offer. And, you know, I, for me, it's like always like, you know, do no harm, right? Like you always want to make sure that the practices and the things that you're encouraging from a place of authority and influence are actually serving the person so when that health is starting to separate from the fitness in my eyes I'm like oh this should be happening and I think that's the skill of any good coach is knowing when things aren't normal right like whenever you study to do anything 
you like you learn the normal in the first year and then the rest of your degree is to learn abnormal because that's the hard part is being able to detect abnormal um, changes in the body or things that aren't common and to be able to address those long term. Yeah, perfect. So I'm glad we elaborated on that one. Um, another one which we've sort of touched on diagnostic tests or procedures. So from memory, we're allowed or cert four are allowed to take blood pressure. Um, yeah. And every single really, gym. there you go. Yeah, because um, we had it hard back then. We had to use the actual blood pressure. What's it? Sphygmometer. Sphygmometer. Help me. What is it? No, Sphy- I don't know what it is. Blood pressure machine. <laughs> Sphygmometer or something. It's called. Yeah. Um, but now you've got the automated ones, which is oh, normally right. a white square with a button that you just put around the arm and press. Yeah. Um, so you're allowed to know yeah. that the blood pressure should be 120 over 80, and then you mm. should know low or high. Um, but anything else such as blood sugar or, you know, other tests go to the GP. We probably will get hate on saying that, but you know what? We're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to pinprick someone's finger and get their blood glucose reading. Um, and then testing and screening for physical presentations and dysfunction as well. We can't do that. So take their blood pressure if you want, but everything else, unfortunately, we can't do that. Yeah, for sure. But then I, I also think as well, if you're going to collect data, like you better be doing something with it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? what like, for? What are you, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, like if you're doing their blood pressure and it's like, you know, 150 over 80, like, what are you doing with that? Do you know what I mean? Like most people go, oh, like they don't know, again, like the, the abnormal sort of situation. Yeah. So it's sort of like don't collect data that you're not going to use. I'm big on this with check-ins, like always going through how can we refine that process? What are the things we really need to ask? Like how can we make that more mainstream? Um, because, yeah, a lot of people just collect a lot of information and it's sort of annoying for the client if you're not actually actioning anything with it. Yeah, I'm just getting thrown back to over 10 years ago I wasn't allowed to take on a client or write a program um, until I took their blood pressure and, mm-hmm. and cleared that. So if they had higher than 140 over 80 or something or 140 over 90, sorry, um, I had to refer them to a GP to get checked and then they're allowed to sign on with me. So, and there were so many other little things like that, that you A, definitely can't do online and B, mm-hmm. I doubt they're still doing that, Yeah, which you know, it's good and bad, but there's just no protocol anymore. Yeah. And people probably don't even have contracts or insurance. Mm-hmm. I bet you people don't have insurance or um, your your CPR first aid certificate, like <laughs> expired or probably don't yeah. even have it, which is just, yeah, there are, there are just so many loopholes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very different in this day and age. Everyone thinks that A, they're worthy of prescribing things, but B, consumers think they're worthy of just taking on a big exercise program and going from zero to 100. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm blaming just overpopulation of personal trainers and everyone getting blurred and then social media I don't Mm. know what the other variable is Mm. I'm not sure either I feel like as well though um like people that are working for an organizational business that's their responsibility like Mm. I know that we pay insurance for you know the girls and the coaches and ourselves and whatever um Mm. but it it, like for business owners it's something you gotta be mindful of like you know we definitely do contracts and it's not for like it's just it's part of the process and honestly I had no idea about any of this stuff but I spoke to my accountant I spoke to like a legal person I spoke to all these people who told us the systems and stuff that we need to have in place um just from like a company perspective but then also like just a, a liability as a coach and yeah like I said unless you have a business like hopefully it's going to be it's it's not your place it should be the organization or the other company or business or structure that actually they get the fault <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day like if you work for a gym they need to have um insurance like you know to protect you guys from my understanding yeah for sure for yeah. sure so yeah two good points there um because something it might be all good and well but then something can come back from three years in the future and come back and buy it, your type thing so just yes. do it all properly because anyone can literally just wake up one day and say oh I love training I'm gonna just start taking people on as clients mm-hmm. change Instagram bio do a few marketing little things take people on and no one is gonna check all of that thing so mm-hmm. it's just up to the person or the coach to just take it upon themselves to be responsible with all of that legal work 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. We might tie it up there. I feel like we've covered a lot, you know, speaking about, you know, your scope of practice and just staying in your lane as a personal trainer specifically, so three and four. Um, hopefully we've given everyone some clarity about like what you can do or maybe what you can't do and maybe just some things you might need to get sorted um, leaning forward. Mm-hmm. But if you did enjoy this episode, as always, please do take a screenshot and of course tag the Level Up podcast. Thanks everyone.